Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. My city. Everybody, and welcome to the 175th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and we have a fun show for you tonight, despite the fact that the Seahawks are two and four and that they've lost a couple in a row and that they've got a tough game coming up. We've got some things to go over and some encouraging signs as well. And uh, we've got some of our crew back that have been out and about. So first, uh, I have to bring back into the country and into our hearts, uh, Dana Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, it's so good to have you back. How are you? Oops, I think you're on mute. I am muted. I'm trying to be good about that. Um, I'm now good. we have you back. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I have um yeah, it was a great trip. I was spending some time in the UK and in London and it was great and it was fun to hang out with those the European football crowd. That was really nice. And so yeah, it was it was a really nice vacation. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. How long were you there uh, for? Uh, ten days. That's solid. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I feel like I had this discussion with a buddy recently. I feel like a week and a half is the perfect amount of mm-hmm. time for international travel. Yeah, that's a side topic. Yeah, because then you don't get sick of it, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like it's enough time to like saturate yourself, but also not feel homesick. So right. Uh, and that's the voice of Evan Hill at Evan Hill. S E A H B Evan Hill H B. God dang it! I yeah. just never change my Twitter handle, so this shouldn't be hard, Brian. You've been gone long enough. I've forgotten that. That's how. That's how like close you and I are. Um, you know, it's good to have you back, brother. I. I have an important question to ask you, and, and I think you're the only person that maybe can answer this for me. Are you ready? Sure, sure, hit me. So, so what is the difference between flatbread and pizza? I have no idea. <laughs> like, I have no idea. Why'd you ask me that question? Because I just saw like a, an ad for flatbread, and I'm like, why is that called flatbread? Like, I, I've accepted that in my life. There's places that say we serve flatbread and there's other places that say we serve pizza you kind of get the impression that like flat is somehow different but yeah actually i i I do have an answer flatbread is a more uh bougie term that warrants a higher price 
to charge. <laughs> so uh, Papa John's serves pizza. Um, some bougie restaurant on the east side serves flatbread pizza, which is $27. So <laughs> that's yeah, the difference. <laughs> I thought you had an answer. I, I, I figured I'd, I'd go in. Dana, Dana already was disagreeing with you about something. <laughs> so we're off, we're off on the right foot here. I feel like uh, we haven't gotten as many Evan food takes lately. I know. That's kind of it. You know, I, I feel like in the midst of, of all the, the Seahawks good and, and not so good, we've, we've got we've to bring in the things that are constantly good, which are um, making fun of Evan for his, his takes on food. So um, that was the voice of Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, you look freshly shorn. Like, how's it going, dude? Do you have a job interview today? Did you like have a date? What's going on? No, no, my beard was just starting to turn weird colors. And I, I needed to uh, define weird. Like I had there was some like orange in it. There was some red. I don't know what was going on. So, Jeff, that's a sign of wisdom. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Most people disagree with most things I say. So, you know, my mom was going on and on about you today. I saw what? Her, like, is Jeff going to be on tonight? Because, uh, you know, probably the first he's really thoughtful. Seen. And I'm like, well, he's Canadian. So, it's just. Yeah. Brian, you're looking really wise right now with your beard. Yeah, you do look wise. It is very misleading. I think <laughs> I know a lot better than that. So I, it looks can be very, very. The season's taken a lot out of it, Brian. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's taken as much out of Dana as it is. <laughs> I want to see a before bro- photo of Brian without a beard and an after photo of Brian through seven weeks or whatever. And I can play, do that for yeah. you. I can do that for you. Um, <laughs> we got to start with the big news of the day. Like, this is big. Uh, Dana, the Seahawks signed their quarterback of the future today. Uh, how did you feel about the big, like, uh, drop that Jacob Easton has joined the Seahawks? Well, let me say first, I was real excited that I got to post that in our chat. Like, I was like, we have for you guys listening, we have this race to see who can put information in the chat first and I was like yes one um because I knew how excited you guys would be about that information I, I don't watch much college football I, I make that very plain and clear so I was like oh who's this guy and they're like he's from Washington and I was like oh so but no one's excited and then the quote that we found that said the reason he got let go is because he has a low football IQ I'm like well of course he's perfect for Seattle bring him on why not <laughs> but yeah. Seattle now has five quarterbacks is that right it is oh my lord when you have five quarterbacks do you have any (laughs) no (laughs) i don't think so i i I, just to add a little bit to what you said about our chat like it's not only a race where you know someone posts it first because what's certain is that josh cashman is going to post it third after like two (laughs) other people have already posted it uh and it usually come like 20 minutes, maybe a few hours later. Um, and I think we're all waiting. I don't know if we've seen Will Cornell, Rain City Series uh, comment, because we know that he's excited about another Husky joining the Seahawks, um, right? He's Sidney so. Jones, number one fan. <laughs> Lord. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hey, um, so we didn't get a chance, all of us. Jeff and I talked about the Pittsburgh game a little bit. Uh, I'd like to hear from Evan to start with, and then we'll go to Dana and then to Jeff, just, uh, about the Pittsburgh game. Um, yeah, I, I have a couple of things that have really st- stuck with me that I was, uh, felt good about, but, but I'm going to wait and let you guys, uh, share your thoughts first. So, so Evan, um, I know you only got to see part of the game, I think. Um, yeah. So I was going to say my, my, my takes are only from the second half. I was uh, so lucky. <laughs> I was a, I was a best man in a wedding, so I was like running from the wedding, you know, to uh, to the game at my Airbnb. But um, uh, Trey Brown looked good. Uh, he's somebody we've been excited about, cautiously optimistic about. Um, I don't have many takes like this. This kind of just went how I expected it to. Um, the defense was obviously. Uh, a complete tragedy in the first half, but guys, this, this, this is the team we have. This is the team. This is who they are. Like, I hate that they gave us a little bit of hope, but personally I was on East coast time and I was trying to go to bed as quickly as possible. 
I want you to know I was actually rooting against Jason Myers making that kick in the end. What? I was like, I was like, let me go to bed, buddy. Uh, I, I have, I have a, I have a 4 a.m. flight. Like, just let me fucking go to bed. Um, yeah, I, my thoughts are really incomplete. I only was able to watch the second half. It obviously sounds like the second half was much more enjoyable. Um, but Dana, I'm going to lean on you for any real insight, to be honest. Oh, you poor thing. Um, okay, so here, here's way the way I looked at this game. I, I went in and I was like, I was 50-50. Either they were going to come on and just and just kill it and kind of show people who Pittsburgh is, which they showed us kind of who they were. They're just not that great of a team. Um, or that they were going to sink. And after watching that first half, really, I'm like, okay, this is what we got. And we're going to sink here at this. And all I just kept thinking to poor Gino, I'm like, oh, Gino, up. He kept getting his passes batted down. And I'm like, throw up, throw up, quit throwing that ball down. Quit tilting the tip down. I was like so irritated. And there were lots of people who were like, oh, we, and everyone's complaining that Russ isn't tall enough. No, it's his throwing mechanic. It's not how tall he is. I'm just telling you that right now. But um, it was, so that was a little frustrating. But I feel like we could really see the nerves in him. Like, I think that he took what a lot of the media was saying. And the media was saying, Geno Smith can do this, you guys. This is his chance. This is his chance. You know, how many times did we hear that? And that he had to have heard it. It had to have sunk in for a little bit. And then in the second half, on the offensive side of the ball, I think that they realized they could not put this on Geno Smith's shoulders, that they had to figure out a way around it. And that's when Alex Collins really showed up. Who I, It's so funny. My son was over watching with us, and he has been a huge Alex Collins fan since the first time he showed up in Seattle. Hayden just loves Alex Collins. So he was thrilled. And, and that was kind of to watch his excitement, even though the game wasn't that good. Um, defensively, um, I'm going to say it once, I'm going to say a thousand times, we need we need Ken Orton Jr. fired. If nothing else for the PR of it, we need him gone. We need him out, pull, um, a, you know, promote a coordinator. I don't give crap who it is. And, and people say, oh, it's Pete's defense anyway. It is, but it feels like Pete, when he takes over, he does a good job. I think Pete took over in that second half and we saw a little bit more out of him. And I'm not saying Pete is a perfect coach. I, I showed you guys a tweet today that, Robert Sala from the Jets said, oh, they had Seattle's cover three figured out because he played against Dan Quinn in defense, you know? And so it was like, I get that, you know, but at the same time, it was better. It was, it was definitely better. Um, so the end of that game was encouraging. I never expected them to take it to overtime. So I was actually kind of proud of them for getting to that point. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I concur with a lot of that. Jeff, um, before I jump in, uh, any any thoughts you've had over the last few days now that you've kind of reflected on it? Yeah, and I want to touch on one thing Dana just mentioned. And really, I had two big thoughts. And I, I floated one in our chat today. I don't think Dana fully agreed with me. But I thought it was really telling. I thought about this in the last couple of days. If, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch the Cowboys this year a lot. But watching their game into the Seahawks game, to me, was really emblematic of where this sort of we see the issues with the team and just how Dallas has vaulted into a contender. And if you look at the last two drafts Dallas has had, for example, last year in the first round, they get CeeDee Lamb, like not a diamond in the rough. He's a blue chip guy out of Oklahoma. He played with Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. And then they get Trevon Diggs in the second round. And if you watch the end of that Dallas game, who's making the plays to win the game? It's Trevon Diggs with the pick six. And CeeDee Lamb makes the touchdown to win in overtime. And they got Micah Parsons. And we talk about blue chip players and draft picks and first round picks and all the issues surrounding the Seahawks. And then this goes into the Seahawks game and you see LJ Collier is a healthy scratch. You see Jordan Brooks making tackles, but really not impacting the game. And our guy who are supposed to be our blue chip player, it's almost a poetic moment or emblematic of everything we've talked about but he has the chance to win the game, make the game winning interception Jamal Adams and the ball hits him in the face. So I thought just watching that whole thing was really telling of everything. I've, this isn't a hindsight take. I've talked about our drafting endless time. So I thought that was really telling because it's not like these guys were like hidden gems. Tron Diggs, Steph Diggs, his little brother. He was first round kind of guy from Alabama. And then adding to what Dana said, we talk about coaching all the time. And one of the things with Dallas is, how many times last year did we talk about Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn and what Dan Quinn can do? And Nathan actually, to his credit, brought up that he didn't think Dan Quinn was any good. And I'm not taking a shot on Nathan. I think Quinn came to the same evaluation. They talked about this on the broadcast. 
Quinn sort of did an autopsy on his whole coaching career, watching Raheem Morris do better with the same players. And he came back very different. He's running different schemes. We, Dana mentioned a great quote from today that I thought was really telling. And Quinn comes back, and they've really done well. They've lost to Marcus Lawrence on defense, but they've gone a ton. And how many times in the Seahawks were like, if the defense is just okay, they'll be a contender. And that's sort of why Dallas is vaulted. It's drafting and it's coaching. And you see Dan Quinn. I've had people tell me he's the most valuable assistant coach in the NFL this year. And he's different than the guy we saw in Seattle. He's different than who he was in Atlanta. He came back different. So Ken Norton call out is perfect because you look at what coaching and what drafting can do. I think that's so emblematic of where the Seahawks season has gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's well said, Jeff. Dan Quinn was always the guy that I hoped would succeed Pete Carroll and maybe he still will. I mean, maybe the fact that he's an assistant now gives that an opportunity to happen, but I have, I mean, I respected Gus Bradley. I respected Dan Quinn. Um, I respected Daryl Bevel, but not as a head coach, but, but just as a person, um, you know, there's been guys I respect, but Dan Quinn is a guy that I could really see taking the, the helm. Um, I think you guys all bring up good points. I think, <laughs> first of all, that Jamal Adams play is going to forever make me laugh. I mean, that, that was like the most poetic blooper. And thank God it can't comes in a game that didn't really matter in a season that probably won't make a big dent in Seahawks franchise history. <laughs> if that had been like for a Super Bowl or something, oh my God, that was so bad. Um, and it was just to happen to him in that moment um, was really bad. But uh, I really, I, I definitely felt more like Dana did about like being proud that the team was able to get where they got in, in that game. And, and especially that they came back from the 14-0 hole. I really, really like what we saw from Trey Brown. Like, you know, like high school, like, or maybe like middle school, like I liked like Trey Brown after that game. Like that was, those were like, special plays and yes there are only maybe a handful of them but it kind of stood out to me how starved we've been for either of those types of plays to be made by our cornerbacks in like how long like dj reed's played okay at corner but he's i i thought what trey brown did was sophisticated and showed technique and showed athleticism and strength um it was like really, really nice to see. Now it doesn't mean he's going to keep doing it, but I don't know. Cornerback's a position where if you can show that in your first time ever stepping on an NFL field on the road in prime time when only getting half the reps, I do think that's pretty damn encouraging. So, man, I'm looking for anything to be encouraged by. And that was definitely one of them. Um, I also, in a weird kind of way, and I've talked about this a bit, but um, I've been pretty hard on Geno Smith. Uh, you know, I've not wanted him to be our backup. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I still don't think he's a very good quarterback. But man, my heart goes out to that guy. I am, I am pulling for him really hard. Like, I loved the way he took it on his shoulders uh, after the game, continuing through. I love how much he cares. Like this is not, he's not just phoning this in. Like this really matters to him. And uh, who knows if it'll amount to anything, but I love cheering for guys like that. So, um, I mean, those were two things. I also, I wrote about this the day after, but when's the last time the Seahawks ran the ball like they did in the third quarter? Like it's been a, it, they've run the ball well in, at times. You can say that safely because Nathan's not here, right? <laughs> They were like, but they were really effective at it. They were really effective. Like Like, seven yards a clip effective. Yeah. Yeah. So that was impressive to watch. But like they did, they used to do, I I do, I think Dana to your, maybe the point you're making, I'll I'll, I'll throw it to you because maybe you're, you're going to go a little further, but it's become this taboo to talk about the run game. And (laughs) I just feel like people forget that the, the Super Bowl Seahawks and even the year before what made the 2012 Seahawks unstoppable offensively was the zone read like Russ running Marshawn running and then the pass to compliment zone read is really what unlocked that 
And 2013, 2014, 2014, Russ ran for almost a thousand yards. Like, right. Like, I just think people forget how much the run game was a really, really, really important part of what was like a top five DVOA offense. Mm -hmm. No, it it absolutely was. And I think that we, we got so obsessed there for a while. It's like, we, we aren't giving Russ what he needs to succeed. We aren't letting him become, you know, this super elite quarterback. We're not letting him become Tom Brady, which I hate, Um, you know, and, and so then it had to be pass, pass. And, people like Nathan and we do like to give Nathan a bad time about this, but they're like the run game shouldn't even exist. There shouldn't be running backs in the league. This is the perfect game to show that that's not the case. You know, watching a Panthers game with Christian McCaffrey, that shows you a way, you know, the reason it should be Derek Henry for God's sake. Right. Like how amazing is that? The run game is very important, especially when you don't have an elite quarterback. So that's why it works so well for Russ in those first early years is because he could run, and he could trust Marshawn Lynch and he could learn and get into the game. We'll work at that spot again with Geno Smith. Now, I think Geno's going to get better this week just simply because he will have another full week of practice, you know, with, <laughs> with the ones which we know the coaching will see, blah, blah, blah. But I think he'll be a little better and be less nervous. But if they can continue the run game like they have been, Alex Collins seems to be fine. He says he just got a tweak that he should be pretty good to, you know, good to go for Monday as of right now. Um, and so we can get that back. I think Rash- is Rashad Penny back this week too? Yes. I think. And so that could be a huge difference. But as much as people hated the the run game that Seattle, they got sick of it. I don't even think they hate it. I think they just got sick of it and wanted something new. It, this week proved that there's a reason for it. It, 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 especially in the hands of Pete Carroll. That's why he loves the run so much. Yeah, and I thought Brian in his article made a good comparison to mm-hmm. a, uh, a game early in the Pete Carroll era with Marshawn Lynch, where he just started finally doing Tom. I think there was a game against like Dallas in that year mm-hmm. where you saw something in the second half that just looked totally different. And they were trying to be pass heavy and it's, it's honestly one of the things I found, I sort of tweeted about this this week. It's one of the things I found sort of odd about this, the latter half of this regime, because we can see how much enjoyment Pete got out of that. And we can see that's how he wants to play. And you may think that's flawed. I don't have a problem with the run game, but they haven't built a roster that's built to play like that. And it's one of these things that I've just find mind boggling. Like if you want to be a physical run team, which would be fine. I, if you want to be that, be that, but, why do you draft a shifty guy in the first round like Penny over a power runner? And why do you not invest in building up a, like a roster like Cleveland where their best players are offensive linemen and they got two power backs? So I've just found this whole thing sort of head scratching because it's pretty clear how P wants to play. Like anytime he just falls back on his how to win the NFL, it's that. So I just found the roster does not reflect that. And that's why I found this game kind of exciting to see that again because – Really, they're trying to build their roster more towards Russ. If you want to be a power run team and whatever, why are you drafting D. Eskridge in the first round? Yeah, but but do you think that's because Pete built it that way or because Pete, you know, hired assistant coaches and empowered assistant coaches to work with the personnel department to get them what they needed to run what they want? And that's what I find so confusing. Mm-hmm. It's like him, you'd think he'd want to, to build a vision around himself. But that's the thing. There's lots of part of his vision. Yeah. Part of his vision is, is empowering his, his coaches to, to do their jobs. I find and, it so bizarre. Yeah. Yet the thing of it is too, we have to remember the pressure of having a player like Russell Wilson, you know, that adds a new dimension to the team that adds, you know, the almost requirement to become a pass heavy team when you have a quarterback of his caliber. So I wonder if that played into it at all. I, agree. I would think a hundred percent. Yeah. The Jimmy I would grand think, trade. The, oh, no- perfect example. Yeah. yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. That's and and I wonder if that's not what he's wanting, but that's what he's feeling like people need. So, yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. I mean, Evan, I don't think it was just Pete that was excited about the run game, that the whole sideline was coming to life. And Pete's talked about that before that the run game is what completes the circle of toughness or whatever he talks about it. I mean, whatever stupid words he uses, there might be something to it in terms of. Well, there's absolutely like, 
I don't know if I would call it like emotional implications, but like when you have an effective run game that, you know, can run down the throats of a defense and you know, they can't stop it and you continue to do it regardless. There absolutely is some like alpha emotional, like you're our bitch and we, and you know it like type of vibes, like, like, Let's just be honest about it. So when it, when an effective run game, you know, it can do what they did in the third quarter on Sunday, it's it, there's very few moments in football that are more enjoyable than that. Of course, there's the discussion of how often can they do it effectively like that. But yeah, of course, it's uh, it's fun to watch. I'm sure it's even more fun to watch on the sideline. It's empowering. I, I, I'm sure it swings the momentum. I, yeah. I totally well. <laughs> um i'm laughing because you brought up momentum i i, I that, that game was almost gonna like just be full of heat i really thought seattle was gonna win it. twitter i did what i really thought seattle was gonna win it i did i really did they, they if they hadn't called the holding penalty i think they were gonna win they it first probably down have won that game like the holding penalty jamal adams ball in the face <laughs> I was only half kidding in chat that they need to create a ball shaped stick for Jamal. So you could just (laughs) like I want Jamal going full speed. I want Jamal Adams with a tennis ball machine that he just catches for like the next four weeks straight. I don't want to take him off the machine until he catches like four hundred straight. I'm not even kidding. Evan, you had a great message in our chat where you're like, Are we even sure Jamal knows how to catch? I was cracking up. That motherfucker needs to learn how to catch the football. I'm not not even kidding. I saw a horrible comparison for Jamal Adams today. What was it? Tell me about it. I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but he got compared to Ben Simmons, (laughs) which was like, it scared me. I started thinking about it. I can you imagine the Bronx cheer he's going to get when he actually picks the ball off? (laughs) Please please do. I hope it's in Seattle. I hope it's in Seattle. Yeah. Um, how are we feeling about this defense? Uh, Jamal Adams is part of it. And Dana, you're talking about firing Ken Norton. Part of me looks at that game and I'm like, okay, Pittsburgh's not very good. So I, I kind of take that, but they also had played pretty well the week before. And I thought the defense played pretty well in that game overall. And then I look at the Rams game and the Rams you know, score like a thousand points against the Giants, like 30 plus in the first half, right? And the Seahawks held them to what? Was it seven in the first half? Zero in the first half? Like it was seven was seven, it? wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I can't remember. This Wait, which I game? I the Thursday night game. No, it was three. It's three, right? Ooh. Yeah, right? Seven, like three. Should have been 14 three. Yeah. So, like, they played two good quarters there. They played, I think, two good quarters against the 49ers, two really good quarters against the 49ers. Um, how do we feel about this defense? Are they getting better even though they're, you know, not great? I mean, where are you on this? Danny, you want to start? Yeah. I um, uh, Inconsistent. That's the best word for them is that they're completely inconsistent and that they have these moments where they look good quarters, like you said, that they look good. Um, and then they seem to forget where they're supposed to stand on the, the field. You know what I mean? And so I, that to me is coaching that to me, that's why I get so angry about Ken Norton jr. It's like, there, there's no cohesion there. And, you know, you can see Bobby Wagner yelling at a player trying to get him in the right spot. And that is infuriating to me. You expect that in the first couple of games, you don't expect that at this far into the juncture. So while I think that, I wouldn't call this a talented defensive roster. I think that they could be better. I think they have the potential for getting better. We could get more out of these players. And so um, I think Trey Brown could make a huge difference. I would hope at least on the side there. Um, I also, I wonder if the corners will elevate each other's play. So if Brown is playing better than, the safeties can trust it a little better across the middle and DJ Reed can just focus more on his guys. So they were, they always seem to be double checking each other. And that's one thing that you see in good defenses, Legion of boom. 
any really solid defense is the complete trust in the secondary where they trust that the guy is going to be where he's going to need to be. And there's none of that right now, understandably so. And so I think that this defense could be, uh, I hate to use the word good, but you know what I mean? Because I think I people to go misinterpret there. I good. No, yeah. I don't. I think people misinterpret the word good. I'm not saying top 10. I good means functioning that they can function through a game and that we can, you know, trust them to make plays. I'm not as mad at Jamal as you guys are about the miscatch. I kind of thought it was funny, but I'm not time, mad at him. I thought that, stuff, that stuff happens. It just happens. You know, he is, his mind is on a wide receiver sort of a ball, but you know, it's, it, I think that these little flashes we see from this defense prove that they can make a step. I don't know that they can make that step with this coach. Mm-hmm. They're making they're making some slow, Very steady slow. progress. Yeah, that leaves me maybe a little bit hopeful. Just just a little bit. They only allowed. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> two explosive plays against the Steelers. Yeah. Yes, yes. Big Ben doesn't have you know a football caliber arm anymore. But you know what? We're gonna take that stat and just give it to him. Um, they also held Pittsburgh to uh five for 14 on third down, mm-hmm. you know, 35%. There are some signs that maybe some things might potentially possibly be improving slowly. I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they'll be good, but, uh, I, I, I do feel confident in saying, I think they're possibly trending in the right direction. Would you guys be surprised to hear that the Seahawks defense is 12th in the NFL and third down defense? Well, the Rams have won a whole quarter without getting one, right? Or a whole half. I think it was a whole half. But, I mean, the Seahawks are basically 20 or less in pretty much every category. um, Other than for a third down defense. defense Yeah. It's surprising because the pass rush has been pretty disappointing. Yeah. It's probably been the most uh, disappointing part of the team. And it's it started off so well. I know that first game was so encouraging. I'm starting to eat my words on that group. But yeah, it's funny. If you watch the Vikings game and you look and you're like, this is the worst cornerback group I've ever seen in my life. And every guy was like running free 15 yards. And all of a sudden, if Brown is a thing, and I know he was very, pretty encouraging last game. But all of a sudden, if, since Reed's flipped over to the other side, he's looked completely different. And with uh, Brown there, all of a sudden the cornerback group might be fine. And this is what I was trying to allude to before the year. As long as Flowers didn't play, the corners wouldn't be as bad as we thought. But now it's, can they cover the middle of the field? Can Jordan Brooks do his job in coverage? And can they affect the passer at all? Because if Daryl Taylor's out for a bit, I think Alton Robinson's banged up. He only played one snap, I think, last week. Really? He yeah, he's playing well, honestly. Well, he's hurt. I think he's hurt. You think well, he's hurt? Is there an actual report yeah, of him being hurt? Yeah, there's one with his knee going on. Yeah. But let's – I want to take a second just on this, and then we should talk about the Saints game um, and, and start transitioning. And also, uh, if someone can pull up patron questions, maybe, Evan, if you can look to see if there's patron questions, that'd be great. Sure. But um, if we look at the defense from a cornerback position, would we all agree that the cornerbacks were maybe an F or a D for the first – two or three games of the season. Yes. Yeah, Anyone yeah. disagree? Yeah. I, I would say that what I've seen from Reed on the other side, and then what I saw from Trey Brown has the potential to be like a B. Like, is that, is that like too, too swinging the other way? Or do you, where do you guys, where would you guys think that could potentially project to? I don't think that that's an overestimate. Well, we need to see Brown do it two games in a row. We need to see that from him two games in a row. And then I think that that's not, that's not overstating it. I would say last, you know, the, the Steelers game, they played it about a C level and that wasn't so bad, right? Like you can live with that sort of, so if they can improve and start to trust each other a little bit. Yeah. I don't think a a B B, grade. (laughs) Yeah. He could be the ceiling. I think. Oh yeah. I don't think it's unrealistic, but I mean, a lot rides on Trey Brown, right? oh, like, like it's all Trey Brown, basically, you know, a rookie who's played. Well, I also game. Think, 
I also think that Marquise Blair has shown more flashes of starting to make more expected plays and fewer bonehead plays um, at, at nickel, which is you're also just always unnecessarily hyping up Marquise Blair. You're <laughs> so known for that. It was just so annoying, Brian. Uh, but then like pass rush is the part that I would say started off as like B plus a minus and has been like D yeah. Do you think that's scheme? Do you think that's player? Where do you think that change comes from? It's infuriating, but. I think opponent has something to do with it as well, but they've faced yeah. pretty poor offensive lines. I mean, my question to you all is where's the reason to feel hopeful? Like what's the change? And maybe this is your question too, like in a different way, Dana, like how does that change? Is, is there going to be a, a player that uh, part of it is going to be Daryl Taylor getting more snaps. And thankfully it looks like he is going to be okay. Maybe even play against new Orleans. And he was the only guy applying any pressure, but it wasn't consistent. It wasn't like he was dominant or anything like that. So Raheem greens and a ghost, like that okay. guy, we haven't said his name for weeks. Um, Alton Robinson really hasn't made a play, whether it's for health reasons or other Carlos Dunlap. Like Amber Alert, like where is that guy? I mean, has he made a single play? And Benson Mayoa, like on the line, it's like, yeah, I don't know. And Jamal, does Jamal have a sack this year? Like, no, I don't think so. Not oh. a single sack. So I don't know. I'm going to remind you guys, he's a safety. <laughs> Okay, but that was part of the justification. But that was part of – I get I totally get it. And I thought – you know what? I liked them ru- using him in the rush spot last week. I thought that they that looked good. That. He started – they needed yeah. to do that. And he looks so comfortable in it. Um, I don't know if there's an answer to this other than maybe still bringing in someone. I don't know if we bring in Gino. I don't know if you bring in somebody – a play. I don't know if you do that. God knows we have five quarterbacks who can find a spot for him on the damn team. But, you know, it's, you know, is that the answer, especially if there truly are injuries that are inhibiting some of these players? I, I don't know. It's infuriating. All right. So um, I know we got started a little late. I don't know how late guy, folks can stay. Uh, a couple, like one more topic, and then we'll talk about the, the, the Saints game. Um, so I think we do have to touch on the Cam Newton discussion, because I think a lot of people are wondering about this. And it's come up. Pete's talked about it a fair amount. And I want to hear from you all, like, based on what you know of Cam, of Gino, of, you know, Russell's timeline for returning, all that stuff. Um, what's your take? Yes or no? And if you want to go further about it, feel free to. Um, can, I, can I start this one? Yeah, please, Evan. Nathan, we were talking about this in the group chat. He asked me, or he asked us, what's the downside of bringing Cam in? You know what my counter is? What's the upside of bringing Cam in? Like, Russell is probably going to be back for the Packers game. I would I would bet, like, a good amount of money that he's back for the Packers game. So that's, what, three, four weeks away? Um, Two more games. We play the Jags. We play the Saints. We play, uh, who's the other team? Bye week. Bye week. Bye week. So you're telling me Cam is gonna Cam is gonna so Cam is gonna sign here. He's gonna learn the system and be a significant upgrade over Gino in three weeks, two weeks. I don't think so. the 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 upside there to me doesn't make sense. Now it, it now if the discussion is like, is Cam gonna be a permanent backup to Russell? Then maybe that's a little bit different, but. This doesn't make any sense to me. What? What? Like, the timeline is so short here. Like, you can't just slot Cam in and expect him to be, like, a starter week one. Like, there's schematics at play. He has to learn the offense. Like, yeah, this just doesn't happen overnight. So, outside of the fact that he's a complete loser also, you know. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. Dana or Jeff, do you guys, do either of you have anything you want to say on the cam front? I, I'm just going to say I completely 1000% agree with Evan. Clip that! <laughs> Clip <laughs> it! Clip it! 
Clip it! I want that clipped. That has to be posted every episode. Oh, Lord. I'll say it. Please clip that. I think if Russell was out for the season, Cam would have got signed. I just hearing Pete talk about it, it seemed like they just talked to him. It didn't go very well. There's a lot of people around the league who just don't think Cam would be a particularly good backup. He'd want to play the whole time. And so I, I, I don't, there's no point. It just doesn't make There's zero. I said it to Brian the other night. I said it's total fan fiction. It's, I, I yeah. don't want a dude leading our favorite football team who took two years to realize that the Pfizer shot was safe. <laughs> okay. That's my so, stance. That's my stance. I hear you. I, I think for me, for one, I just don't think Cam's very good. So I think people know the name and um, what he's been in the past. I think that, and the athlete that he is, given me the choice as a fan between a not very good quarterback who thinks he's got gift or a not very good quarterback who is humble and and really trying and an underdog and trying to to make it um, and that his whole team is behind, I'll take the latter, you know? So like Cam might be better than Geno Smith. I don't think that's like a huge stretch to say that he would be better than Geno Smith, but I don't know that it's, I don't know that he's better in the right ways. And I don't know that it would materially affect the team um, in any meaningful way. So I have some, really interesting intelligence that I just learned from the chat on Cam Newton. Did you know he dated Ciara in 2011? No. Yeah! I just learned this and I googled it and it's real. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't seem like that would be a good addition. That's the analysis you come here for. That's pretty good stuff. Who is who's backup? I think it's really become. Oh my God. So uh, (laughs) let's talk about patron questions. Uh, Can we do those before we get into the Saints stuff? Sure. So uh, um, this first one I'll give to, I'm going to give it to you, Dana. Um, (laughs) If we lose the next two games, so Jags and uh, Saints, how will you feel when Russ comes back? Would you want, to go in the range of nine to okay oh i see what he's saying would you rather have seattle end the season with like a middling you know sort of uh, tier record of like nine to eight or eleven to six or would you rather have them sort of tank so i i think the the question is really like a long-term long-term mm-hmm. focus versus mm-hmm. you know being okay so I what's mean, your perspective that would matter if we had a first round pick but we don't so it doesn't really matter. So they can do either. Uh, but I do not believe it is in the fiber of either Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson to tank a game. I don't think Bobby Wagner would stand for it, you know, at, or tank a season. And so I think that they will try because you never know what's going to happen with the rest of the league. You never know when somebody's going to lose their starting quarterback when they're going to, you know, that's mm-hmm. the whole luck conversation we had earlier, which is a whole different one. But, you know, so you don't ever know when that's going to be. But if we had a first round pick, it would matter. But it, ju- it just doesn't this year. You don't want to take for the 33rd pick? No. <laughs> I mean, that's just a second round pick, right? Like, yeah. who cares? No, I'm point. just messing around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brian, is that if the neck issue is fixed for Chris Carson, would you consider trading him before the deadline? Oh, totally. That's an interesting I mean, one. It's easy for me because I've already declared that I would trade, be open to a trade of anyone on the roster not named DK Metcalf or Daryl mm-hmm. Taylor. And now I'd probably add Trey Brown to that list. Anyone that's young, under club control on the rookie contract and has clear ascending value, I would keep. So I think that's three players. So in the spirit of the same question, another Patreon question is, would you trade Diggs? Be open to trading Diggs at the deadline. And I I know Dana doesn't want to answer that question, but. I I would trade him. Oh, really? I, I, I like him, but I would trade him at this point. Yeah. I mean, mm. I don't think that he's made a big enough impact. I really like him. And I like the way we what we saw out of him that when he first came to Seattle, but he's been missing a little bit of a spark. I think that he would do well 
under a different coach. Um, and, but yeah, if you can get value for him and it's worth it, I, I would actually be, I would be all right with that. But I told you guys in chat, I really like the deadline, the trade deadline. So I think it's fun to see all it the is. pieces moving. Yeah. No, it yeah, absolutely is. Today. today was crazy. Yeah. Today yeah. was crazy. Uh, Jeff, why is our D line not getting the same pressure they did last season? Yeah, Jeff. Explain uh, it. Tell you, Carlos Dunlap has been a ghost and Carlos Dunlap unlocked a lot of guys and, if you look at every good D-line in the NFL, they have that alpha player that dictates everything. And you look at see the Rams, you take Aaron Donald off the Rams, like what do you think their D-line looks like? So they don't have a very – they don't have that blue-chip player right now. Dunlap was that guy last year, and we saw it and how he unlocked things for everyone else. But Dunlap's been quiet, and really Rasheem Green was a guy. We saw in the first game there was all that talk about him breaking out. We just have a bunch of rotational rushers, and Brian's talked a lot about like the 2008 Seahawks and – that's sort of what their team became where they had these decent role players. But if you don't have that one guy, like if you take Pittsburgh and you take TJ Watt off their defense, they don't look particularly good. And you know, I have to jump in on that for just a quick second. He wasn't even a blue chip last year. He was more like a red chip, right? Yeah, and like this correct. year, he's not even like, he's like, he's non-existent. He's just not there. He's no, not he's even like, tipped like a, he's tipped a few passes. But other than that, like name a guy on the Seahawks edge that would be in the rotation for any team in the top 20 in, in defense. Like I'm not the edge. I mean, just the edge. I, I couldn't afford Woods. I think they have some talent on eight. Like they, they're okay. Sure. Other than Daryl Taylor, like which of those, any of them would be getting any snaps. So I'm going to modify this next question because I actually think it's a really good one. What grade would you give Shane Waldron through, what is it, six weeks? Through six weeks. What grade would you give him? And Dana, I'll start with you. A C. Okay. Jeff? There, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nope. Follow up before. Uh, I was just going to say there are times where he seems like he's just absolutely drowning. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if that's the players. I can't imagine when you have some of the talent that we have on offense, but. I have not been impressed. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go D. Um, and I, I know there's tricky elements to this because it seems like Pete's got his hands all over that situation I right now. I know that. But the team offensively, even when Russell was healthy, had really no identity. They went quarters without – halves without scoring. They yeah. The first game you saw something that looked like the Rams. But since then we haven't seen that at all. And frankly – it was probably Pete that made them go run heavy last week. And what the hell work. happened to that week one offense? I don't know. And that's what the hell the happened? Seriously. The average went out. I don't know, but that's the only, but, but that, that can't explain it. Can no. it like, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. like, no, they just, they, we haven't seen anything that resembles like D like D Eskridge's absence does not explain the complete lack of pre-stamp motion or tight end usage. Does it? No, and then you look at Gerald Everett last week and you see what he can do with the ball in mm-hmm. his hand and what he can do in space. And they don't, it's my, like, it's just, they've been a confusing offense because there's times where Waldron comes down and they look like perfectly designed. Brian mentioned the Rams game and the first half of the Vikings game and the Colts game. But then there's times like the second half of the Titans game where they went eight straight drives at a single good play. So I don't think he's really made a big impact on the team. Brian? I'm the same as Jeff. I think the offense has underperformed more relative to my expectation than the defense. Okay, that's the fair. Defense has been really bad. But that's but because you probably expected the defense to be really bad. I expected them to be like at best like good. Like I didn't expect them to be elite. I think that and, and at times I feel like the defense has been close to good not for like full games they haven't done it for full games very often but there's been times where the defense has played kind of at or above my expectations there hasn't been many times that the offense has like even against the titans when they were putting up points in the first half they kind of were like a little bit fluky like guys falling down and big plays that like it didn't feel like a repeatable offense and sure enough it hasn't been so um, and I still believe that the offense has a considerable amount of talent, mm-hmm. not without Russ as much, obviously, but when they had him, I just thought this offense was like 
mediocre. And that's like, that's bad. They're definitely so, not performing up to the level they need to. No. That's for sure. No. Um, Brian, I'm also going to actually give you the last question. Okay. <laughs> and this one is specifically for you, I think. Um, okay. Would our record be any different if we had drafted Creed Humphrey, state of Eskridge, instead of Eskridge? That's actually interesting. I don't know if it is, but I'm curious to know your opinion. Um, I think maybe one game difference. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. I think that I might know. be stretching it. But we're just one zero. Well, here's the thing. Like, I just think um, if you had Russell with a cleaner pocket like sure. maybe five to 10 more clean pockets per game because he had the best center in all of football, which is what Creed Humphrey is currently rated as. Um, if, if Chris Carson or, you know, whoever's running behind had a couple more holes to run through than normal, like would that have been enough to maybe turn a game? Yeah, I think it's possible. It could have turned a game. So, um, but I don't think it's, to me, that's more about like where is this team going? Like, sure, I would have loved to see Damian Lewis and Creed Humphrey, you know, starting to work together. And Damian start- Lewis has actually had a pretty disappointing season. Yeah, like yeah. him and Jordan Brooks were supposed to be like the big step forwards this year. Jordan Brooks far more disappointing. I'm not ready to say that about Damian. Yeah, I think both of them have been pretty disappointing. I don't think they're in the same category, but I agree with Jeff in general. That's all I got. All right, folks that haven't already, please give the show a like, uh, click subscribe. And of course, if you want to ask Patreon questions, you have to join patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Get immediate access to the Slack channel where we ask for questions every week and then try to answer as many of them as we can on the show. So thank you for submitting them. We will do it again next week. Let's talk about the Saints game. Um, I know we're, we're a little bit past nine and let's take 10 minutes on this if we can. Um, I look at the Saints and I see a team that is meaningfully better than Pittsburgh. And I see a team, and this is some trivia that I I wrote about. um, I was kind of shocked. As of now, the Saints are like between four and a half and five and a half point favorites, um, usually around five points. There's only been two times in the history of the Seahawks franchise that a visiting team has been a five point or greater favorite in Seattle for a Monday night football game. Like that's, that's crazy. And it hasn't happened since 1992. So I don't know, like, does anyone here have something that they want to share about why they're optimistic about how the Seahawks can play in this game? Evan's not looking at me to get <laughs> Dana or Jeff. Yeah, I I mean I I look at the Saints and I, I see some inconsistency in their game. I see that they still have eight starters out. Now I know that some of them are coming back, but whether or not they'll play, we don't know yet. I know Michael Thomas is still a few weeks out from what I've read today. Um, so he will not be back. Um and then, you know, how healthy they come back after being gone for so long is a question mark. Um, I do think that um, Jameis and his history of throwing picks, um, you know, maybe maybe Jamal will get a chance to to, to do, try his catch again. I, I think that that's possible. But I think that this is not – I don't think it's an, an unwinnable game for Seattle. Um, they just can't – disappear for an entire half like they did against the Steelers that that's going to be the biggest take on that one is that they're going to have to do what they did in the second half they'll have to do it through the whole game and then they have a a chance to win it I think uh my biggest concern about this game is I was actually surprised a semi-surprised to learn this but the Saints actually have like a really good run defense this year they're like top five to seven uh Mm -hmm. some advanced metrics even have them as like top two um so if this game is going to be on the shoulders of Gino, I'm not sure they're going to win this football game. I've got bad news. They are second in the NFL in passer rating in terms of opponent passer rating defense. They're third in the NFL in interception rate. They're fourth in the NFL in 
completion that's, percentage against. That's uh, not good for us. No. Um, so we, we have to, you have to look at who they've played, guys. I mean, think about this just a little bit, okay? I mean, they've played some decent teams. I mean, they beat the Packers in week one, which shocked everybody. Like, we get that, right? Sure. But then, you know, they played the Panthers, who have a good run game. And so that was, you know, or I'm sorry. Yeah, but the Panthers kicked the ever loving crap out of them, mm-hmm. right? And then they beat the Patriots. They played the Patriots, the Giants, and Washington. But who so are they we, about to play? Well, they play well no but i'm saying you know we can't no, say I, that they're this elite no you know, i know I, I, it's easy to spin the numbers however no, you they're want not and elite. i get that but they're not no, they're very no middling. but, but defense, their schedule gets gross their defense is good their defense is legitimately like it's yeah it's god i'm just defense. saying it's not okay so that number two ranking i think you have to take a little grain of salt sure, sure i agree yeah, yeah they, they've had a very uneven year where they had that game against green bay where they looked incredible but did you guys see them play the Giants a couple weeks ago? Oh, Daniel wow. Jones threw for 400 yards. Yeah. And they put up almost 40 points against them. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. So they're a little bit banged up. The Saints, they're missing two starting offensive linemen. I don't know if they'll be back for this week. It's questionable. It's questionable. And they're missing no off tackle in their center. So two of their most valuable offensive linemen. But if they have no offensive linemen, will we get any sacks? Maybe not. Maybe Dunlap will show up. Dana says one. Just one. <laughs> but the, yeah, and the, the tricky part about this is that to beat them, you're probably going to have to pass the ball on them. You know what could be a key to this game is actually Seattle's defense getting some turnovers um, oh, yeah. from Jameis. I think that's the only way to win this. Game. Yeah, you got you gotta you gotta hope that Jameis is no. They are going to take shots, but you just got to hope that Seattle can create turnovers. Frankly, that the secondary can create turnovers. Remember How did they lose to the Giants? What was that, Jeff? Do you remember Alvin Kamara's last game against oh. Seattle Didn't when they, Teddy Bridgewater was playing? They lost yeah, that they, game, though, right? Oh, they, they, they could not guard. It was pain. It was yeah, so but Jeff, pain. the Seahawks are excellent at defending screen passes now. Oh, great. Um, oh, my God. No, like, here's here's what I would say is, is the hopeful – thing for Seattle you might not agree but I, I believe it is that I 100% agree with what Dana said earlier about I think Gina was playing with the world on his shoulders in Pittsburgh and looked like it and the reason I say that and not just say oh that's who Gino is is because he looked like a completely different player against the Rams and, and that was high pressure that was prime time and he his first possession was at the two-yard line like it wasn't like that was a super easy situation to walk into, but he played looser. He played through passes that were more confident and aggressive. And so that I still believe that he has that in him. And I think that maybe some of the, maybe he'll come out playing a little bit looser. Maybe he'll come out um, playing, feeling like he has less to lose. And, you know, I do think that, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and the tight ends. I think, I think there's still a big advantage when they're utilized. So that would be what I would call out as, as a hopeful piece. And then Rashad Penny is going to have his one, you know, 70 yard touchdown. Run in this Stop game. it. It's going to be great. I gotta and then he'll out. get hurt again. <laughs> Maybe. I got to figure out what to do with that jersey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta frame it dude that would be the best troll like you know how embarrassing that, that would be no do it do it <sighs> that'd be rocking i love that just frame it and mail it to nathan <laughs> actually i should get jason we myers jersey get, like a like a mashed up jersey of all the seahawks running backs that have ever played and and uh, send it to nathan as a present Let's do it. Uh, So, all right, let's get, let's get picks in. Um, Dana, let's start with you. Uh, What is your prediction for this game? I think I'm going to say we're going to win. Just because why the hell not at this point. Right. So I'm going to say we're going to win. Seattle's going to win and it's going to be 26. 724. Do they have a better chance, Dana, of beating the Jags or the Saints? It's a serious question. 
That's a good question because it's like Seattle has a tendency to play down to their opponents. So I know. Cool I know. Right. There's some there's some competing yeah. like <laughs> Monday night, you know, bright lights. I will say, you know, I, I'm I have genuinely this whole thing curious. Seattle doesn't lose three games in a row. Well, no, it's Russell Wilson that doesn't lose three games in a row. So that doesn't really work for us on this one. Um, I think they have a better chance of beating the Jags. I really do. But at the same time, I, I think I think they can squeeze this one out. I think because they play in Seattle. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. See, that'll help nice. too. I, I'm 27, 24. That's me. Okay. Jeff. In overtime. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the uh, the Vegas odds makers on this one. I'll say 23 Saints, uh, Seahawks 17. I'm going, to, I'm going to go with Saints, um, Saints 31, Seattle 13. Yeah. I have a hard guys. I have a hard time seeing Seattle's defense stopping Jameis and Alvin and, you just so know there's, the, there's no one else. Like, you just know the offense is not good. Now. You just know the the Seattle offense is not going to sustain drives. So the Saints yeah. are going to have a ton of opportunities. I just, I just have a hard time saying this, but That's I'd fair. love to. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, I want to <laughs> pick the Seahawks because I've picked. I have not picked against the Seahawks this many times in a row, and God, it's just. Wrong it's just hard to make a convincing argument to me that that they should win this game. Like maybe they get lucky and they do, but yeah. yeah. I don't think there is an argument that they should win the game. No, Mm-mm. I don't think so either. I don't think there's a single one. Yeah. Not, especially not when you're running with a, a backup quarterback and, yeah, yeah. and Sean one, no, I'll and, give you yeah. one. Okay. And, and, and Evan, you'll like this. Hit me. They are dead last in the NFL in field goal kicking. They made one out of four field goals so far this year. Man, imagine having a bad kicker. That would suck. Like, you don't have to imagine it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want you to know, when Jason Myers gets his fat extension, I am shitting all over all of you. Uh, oh, oh, boy. I cannot, I, I cannot wait for that moment. I cannot wait for that moment. I want right, so to say Go ahead. I am picking the Saints. Um, I'm going to go with 27-13. Okay. Matt Hasselbeck goes into the Ring of Honor at, at halftime, I think. Sure. Does he really this week? Yeah. I think it was picked because his last game was that Saints playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Ring of Can Honor. Is quarterback sp- for us? Ugh, I like that guy. Can I just say one thing? I, I, I was at the uh, – so I was in Ohio for this wedding this past weekend. And uh, have you guys ever been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No. Okay, Dana, you've been. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you'll disagree with me, but – it was actually very underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I felt um, it's like in the middle of really nowhere. Like, can't, I don't know if you guys Canton. have been to like Canton is like, you're driving down the streets guys. And, and we're talking about houses that are like $25,000 on Zillow, <laughs> like literally less than $40,000. And in the whole sort of like the hall of fame, like studio or whatever they call it, it's very small. Like it's like, it's like a 25 minute tour, like max. And unless you're in Cleveland already, I don't think it's, I don't know. I thought it was a little more hyped up than I expected. You have to go, you have to go induction weekend. It changes everything because they take over the parking lots. It gets huge. There's millions of people there. They have extended um, uh, exhibits and things and then the fact that you just wander around and bump into Hall of Famers is, is a really fantastic um, but I get what you're saying even the Hall of Busts like yeah. it's a little bit like god there's a whole bunch of heads in here but like it's really dark and it's kind of strange but um, during induction weekend they make some of those fantastic exhibits so if you're gonna go just go during induction weekend for sure but I wouldn't just randomly pop up at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And I promise it wasn't due to the lack of Seahawks related stuff. It's just okay, meh. I don't know. Okay. I, I do have to ask one more question before we go. Um, if you could pick one player on the Seahawks to have an interception this week, and I'm going to give you a couple options. You can feel free to go off menu. Trey Brown to get his first, Jamal Adams, or Quandre Diggs. Who would you pick? Yeah, I know my answer already. 
What is it? Who is it? It's Puna Ford. Because Kent, because Kent, because Ken Norton dropped him into coverage multiple times in the goal line last last week. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. seeing that on the All Twenty Two. Yeah. Um, if Puna got an interception, I would lose my shit. This the season is a success if that happens. I'm done. I'm done <laughs> if that happens. Jeff, uh, I'd go Trey Brown. I think. I'm like you. I'm sort of looking at these games like preseason games, and I'm more focused on like who can you build with going forward. If he builds off that game, although it is Jameis, who's like the interception king. But anything that I can just have a silver lining right now of young players who are under rookie contracts, and I've kind of become like the Joker on Jamal. It's kind of funny to just watch him fall on his face. So I'm gonna go Trey Brown. Dana. Quandary Diggs, pick six, 200 bucks to charity. That's me. And That's what trade I'm waiting him? for, right? Huh? And then I trade him right If after? I trade him, if he gets a pick six for somebody else, I'm still giving 200 bucks to you charity. But here's the thing. I, I'm waiting for this. It's been since 2019. Like, the, the streak of no defensive score for the Seahawks, I mean, is, is going. It's So we're due. It's yeah, time. we're due. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the 175th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Emhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. You can find Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG. You can find Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons and Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. And also, you can find all of us and the rest of the, the Real Hawk Talk and Hawk Blogger community at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Join right now. Get access to the Slack channel. And by the way, by the way, we'll be giving away three tickets for free to the Seahawks Jacksonville game. Um, so that will be going to a patron. So now is a great time to join. It's not too late. You will get uh, entered as part of the consideration pool. So come on over. We will be giving away tickets. We've done it already. Um, we'll be doing it again. So thank you all for tuning in. Give us a show a like, uh, subscribe, and Please, God, give the Hawks a, uh, a win. That'd be nice. All right. Take care.